Faith and discipline. We're walking this year through the topic of, of what, uh, what it is about our faith and, and what the disciplines of our faith and what it means to exercise that discipline in our lives. And so, uh, uh we spent the first quarter. I'm trying to, I, I'm stretching it so as they unplug and, 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 and come on down. No. <laughs> We spent that first quarter talking about the um, the disciplines of faith, and there were six of them that we identified from a book that I had used for years. And uh, so Friday, I was in Pisgah Forest and did a um, did a, a memorial service for a man that uh, actually had had kept our son. Uh, for years in the nursery up at Pisgah Forest Baptist Church. And uh, this this fellow was one of those guys that, you know, I, I suggested in the funeral Friday that maybe he was, um, maybe he was the first person to ever tell Eli about Jesus. And so I wanted his family to know that, guess what, now, G, now Eli's telling fifth and sixth graders about Jesus. You see, uh, when we exercise those disciplines in our lives where we spend time with God, where we, where we spend time uh, in, in the Bible, where we spend time in, in, in worship and spend time in prayer and spend time uh, uh, telling others about Jesus and spend time serving others, you know, we exercise those things in our lives, not like it's a checklist, but we do them naturally because of our, 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 our walk with God, our, our worship. So we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 this morning, and, and I want you to hear the warning. You ready? Chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, it says this. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty to speak, and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God's in heaven, and you're on earth, so let your words be few. Just as dreams accompany much labor, so also a fool's voice comes with many words. When you make a vow to God, don't delay fulfilling it because he does not delight in fools. Fulfill what you vow. Better that you do not vow than that you vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth bring guilt on you and do not say in the presence of the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? For many dreams bring futility. So do many words. Therefore, fear God. Pray with me, all righty? Father, we thank you for today and the opportunity we have to gather in this place and, and just celebrate and sing and, and hang out and shake hands and smile and, and laugh and, and, and do all the things, God, that, that, that the body of Christ, this family that you've created with, with Christ as the head, that we can come together and enjoy this time together. But God, let us be guarded that when our purpose is worship, that when we gather in this place, that we not gather with a sense of, of, uh, of flippancy, this idea that, that this is not important time. This is incredibly important time when we come into your house, when we come into this place of worship, when we come into this, this setting where it is our desire to honor you, it is our desire to exalt you, it's our desire to bring you glory. And God, let us take that very seriously so that our lives outside of this room reflect the importance, the priority of our worship. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a tough passage today, y'all. Some of you are going to get mad at me. Just going to go ahead and tell you. But then I'm also going to tell you, the Bible says you got to forgive me. Okay? Uh, 
Pisgah Forest Baptist Church was the church that I got to pastor before I came down here. It's up in the mountains west of Brevard. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that every Sunday morning I preached at Pisgah Forest Baptist Church, I wore a coat and tie. <laughs> it was funny that we had the National Day of Prayer uh, celebrations on Thursday. Uh, this year, because of some rescheduling with the city, I got to do two of the National Days, Days of Prayer celebrations. I was in the park here, and, and, and we had that one at 9 o'clock, and it was like um, 52, 53 degrees when we walked out there, right? Well, I knew I was going to be busy all day long, so I walked out there in short sleeve shirts, and, and the town clerk, Carla, she also attends here, Carla comes up, she says, you're not dressed appropriately. Now, typically, that means I'm not wearing a coat and tie, right? You know, but what she was saying was, it's cold and you need sleeves on, right? And then I get to Pisgah Forest on Friday, and uh, the, the, the family pastor there at, at Pisgah Forest Baptist Church, he said, Bobby, well, what are you going to wear for the, for the funeral? I started to say, board shorts. I didn't. <laughs> But I told him, I said, well, I'm gonna, I, I, got a, I got a blue blazer. I'll put on a blazer and, uh, you know, I'll do that. And I had on some khaki colored jeans is what they were. And so he went home and changed and he came back dressed like me. Right? <laughs> so, this idea of what's appropriate, right? What, 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 what is it that God's looking for when we gather like this? What is it that Solomon observed? Remember, uh, Ecclesiastes, I believe it, Solomon is the source material for this book of Ecclesiastes. Whether he penned it himself or whether uh, one of his sons, which he probably had 2,000. Uh, anyway, one of his kids probably, you know, maybe kind of pulled some of, of daddy's stuff together. And we can see some editing in the text of it and that sort of thing. But not editing like it changed it, but how it was compiled and how it was put together. But but I believe Solomon is the source for Ecclesiastes. And we know that Solomon's uh, writings in Ecclesiastes is this observation and perspective of the world. What's going on under the sun? And how light, if all of life is focused under the sun, then it's absolutely meaningless and futile. Well, what's the use if this is all there is? And folks, and he said in, back in chapter 3 where he says, he said, I gave myself over to despair. Because when you look at the world's condition, you look at the circumstances in the world, you look at the kind of things that are going on in the world, and it's very easy to, to just, you know, kind of, what's the use? You know, we had Wednesday night or some, no, Monday in staff meeting it was brought up because one of our, our, our uh, Diana, our ministry's assistant, her daughter's at, uh, at uh, that, that I don't know, that dog school up in Raleigh somewhere. What's that one? What's the, what? Yeah, NC State. That's the one with the dog mascot, right? <laughs> I like doing that to y'all. You know what I say about Tar Heels, right? We know that's not tar you stepped in. <laughs> I should not say things like that. Bad Bobby. Anyway, she was, but really, though, seriously, on a more serious, and she was talking about how, how, how many, how many student deaths on the on the on the Wolfpack campus. 
and just tearfully in our prayer time talking about how how dis, how how much despair our young people are going through and it'd be very easy for us to get engulfed in that despair because what's going on in the world today goes back to what Solomon said when he said, I see wickedness in the place of justice and in the place of righteousness. You see, I think, I think Ecclesiastes are, are Solomon's observations and perspective and, and these seven verses are Solomon's observations of worship, for worship. And, and then he says this, and, and this is scary, y'all. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do. What's the sacrifice of fools? Well, what is he referring to right there? What is it that, 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 that Solomon's, and then he breaks it on down as we continue through the passage. The sacrifice of fools are the, the words and vows that you make before the throne of God, but don't mean it. Say things that you're not going to carry out. You know, make these pronouncements about who you are and who you serve. And, oh, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I'm following Jesus. But in your life, that, there's no testimony of that. Or there's no evidence of that. And that's what Solomon said. He said, I see people walk in and out of the temple without any sense of meaning for what worship is. And so, so this is a real caution for, for empty worship, for empty words. So here we are. I always like to tell people, man, I love worship. I think worship is a celebration of all God's goodness. We are given the opportunity to hang out with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ from Monday to Saturday. We get together on Sunday to celebrate the, the, the walk with God. We get together on Sunday to greet one another and encourage one another and, and even in some sense to challenge one another with the things that God has said to us in his word. And, and the challenge is, is that when we gather in here that we don't gather in here falsely that we don't gather in here claiming that we're something that we're not you see you know the greatest charge against the body of Christ in the world today is that it's full of hypocrites right people say oh, I'm not going to church there's a bunch of hypocrites up there that's the way they sound too and you know, they got that gravel in their throat when they do that see what I mean See, the point of today's message is, is that you've got to be careful of the commitments you make. It's very easy to say, yes, I love Jesus. It's very easy to say, yes, I'm a believer and I'm a Christian. It's very easy to say, yes, I follow Jesus. I, I live by the word of God. It's very easy to do that, but, but I want to caution you because if you say, yes, I live by the word of God, but then you go out into the world and live like the devil, that's a lie. And that is the sacrifice of fools. And that's what Solomon's warning us about. You see, you say, I will follow. I will sacrifice. I will surrender. Right? Those, those are the kind of things we say before the throne of God. We say something like this. God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I remember in Bible college, right? I've told you, I went to Columbia Bible College, a bunch of missionaries there. 
about 65% of the graduating class would always go to the mission field. And I was like, not me. It's Columbia International. Every time I mention Columbia Bible College, they go, this is a Columbia International University. It's the same thing. They changed the name. You know why they changed the name? Because when graduates of Columbia Bible College would go to, to difficult places around the world, it had Bible in their, in their diplomas. So they changed it to Columbia International University so they wouldn't be threatened in foreign countries. Right? But all invited. And so, so like my junior year, my, one of my friends talked me into going on a mission trip for the summer. So I went, I thought, you know what? All right, I'm going to go on a mission trip. Where would I like to go on a mission trip? I, I think I'd like to go to Europe. This is 1985. You know what? If you talk about Europe in 1985, you better be specific. I ended up in Poland. Right? Across the Iron Curtain. You know, they got on the check, they got on the train to check our, uh, check our passports with machine guns. And I was like, oh my. And we pulled up to the, to the, to the border crossing of East Germany in the middle of the night and you could see the lights going down through the countryside that way and the lights going down through the countryside that way and in between the fences was what they referred to as no man's land. You don't get, and, and, and they had it raked. The sand was raked so that they could see if there were footprints in that sand. You see that? Yeah, I went to Poland, right? I said, God, if you want me to be a missionary, I'll be a missionary. So I'm going to check it out. So I went to Poland. My friend that same year, the same friend who taught me into doing this, he went to Papua New Guinea. They, they had a, a dinner honoring him. As, as a as a summer missionary come to this tribe in Papua New Guinea, you know what? Guess what? He I they, they handed me a ch- uh, fried chicken in Poland. I picked that leg up and it went. Rrr, rrr. I thought that is not a chicken leg like I've ever seen. The translator says it's not chicken; it's rabbit. Tastes like chicken. They like you know what they served uh, David in Papua New Guinea? Grub worms. Yummy. Yeah, God, just let me stay home, all right? right? Be careful when you say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. God, I'm surrendered to you. God, I'll sacrifice the things that are important to me, God, for the things that are important to you, right? I'll sacrifice what I think is important in the culture and society today. It might call on you to sacrifice the things that, that maybe your family thinks is important. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came and, and guess what? By coming, I'm going to divide father and son and mother and daughter. You see, when we surrender and sacrifice everything in the world that's important for the things that are important to God, that means we're going to put God and his priorities first. So don't say, I will follow you, Jesus, unless you mean it. Don't say, I will sacrifice my own selfish pride and my own self-wants and my own whatever. Don't say, I'm surrendered to you, Jesus. You know, I've told you before, we've got one deacon here. Every time we used to do the, the, the invitation hymn, I surrender all, he refused to sing. 
And this is what he told me. He said, because Bobby, I know I haven't surrendered all. Think about that. He was serious about not offering the sacrifice of fools. Why would we say the kind of words that ultimately would make God angry? That's what this says right here. Fulfill what you vow better that you not vow than that you vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth bring guilt on you and do not say in the presence of the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? Back in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we saw these words. Uh, Solomon says, I observed under the sun wickedness in the place of judgment. Wickedness in the place of righteousness. He's saying, I see it in, in, in the courts where there should be justice and righteous judgment. I see wickedness there. Guess what? Me too. There is wickedness across our government, y'all. See, I told you I was going to make some of you mad this morning. There's wickedness in our legal system. He says there's wickedness in the place of righteousness. There's wickedness where there should be righteousness. See? Folks, if you can't look around you and see wickedness in this world then you got your eyes closed. You know what Psalm 97, 10 says? You who love the Lord hate evil. He's not saying you who love the Lord hate evil like that's what you do. What he's saying is if you love the Lord, you better hate evil and hate wickedness. You see? For instance, this is where I'm going to make you mad. All right, here we go. I believe God's a God of life. I believe taking innocent life is wicked. You can call it a medical procedure if you want to. But I believe it's wickedness. And millions of innocent lives are taken every year in this country. Now, guess what? I know there are people in the body of Christ that have been there. And God's a God of forgiveness and love and he wants to heal and he wants to, he wants to restore. But when we establish as a government policy that you can take innocent life, that is wickedness. And I can stand up and I can look out at the world and go, that's wickedness. And I cannot stand with those who support that wickedness. All right, y'all mad yet? Okay. Can I go ahead? All right. It's in my no- I actually thought about this ahead of time. This is not impromptu, all right? When, when groups within our culture would deny the identity of God, deny the design of God, deny the plan of God, I've been saying this for weeks and y'all knew it was coming. When you could have a whole segment of our population that's referred to by, by sort of random letters like L's and G's and B's and T's and can deny the design of God and God's intent and purpose for male and female from the beginning. That's wickedness. And I cannot stand with those who stand for wickedness. 
I can't come into the house of God and say, God, I worship you, I love you, I follow you, and then go out into the world and stand with wickedness. I can't. I can't do it. Man, I drove too much this week, y'all. I had too much time to think about all this stuff. Don't say I follow God and then live compromise with the world. There is plenty enough evidence in the word of God as to what wickedness is. And for us to deny it and ignore it, compromise with it, and even to the point of affirming it, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. If you love the Lord, you're supposed to hate evil. Now, I've given you just, that's two examples. I tell you, I don't make a list, but I could keep going. I could keep pointing at things in the world around us that are just plain wickedness. You see? And we're not supposed to be a part of that, y'all. We're not. I can't say that I follow God and, and ob- abide by the word of God and then go out into the world and compromise God's priorities and God's standards. I'm living, not just compromise, that would be living the lie. Woke up at 2.26 this morning thinking about all this. It's like, God, man, you kept pouring this out all over me this week. God, can I just go ahead and tell you? 2.26 this morning, God said, you got to say it. God's people need to stand up against wickedness. God's people need to hate evil. God's people need to quit making excuses for the self-centered, selfish, self-aggrandizing, self-pleasure, anything that starts with the word self, God's people need to recognize that sin from the beginning that comes from the pit of hell. Man, I sound like a Baptist. Solomon's observations for worship. There are people sitting in pointed buildings like this all across the country now who are making excuses for people's selfish choices. There are people all around our nation. Oh, it's okay because that's what makes them happy. Now, all right, so I'm going to get on the other one. I used to say, you know what, and that's why I mentioned the Baptist thing a minute ago. It's really easy for Baptist preachers to to mention things like smoking and drinking and cussing. Did y'all know that? Man, I grew up in it. I don't smoke, drink, or cuss, right? It's real easy to mention. You know what Baptist preachers never mention? Anybody guess? Gluttony, thank you. (laughs) Baptist preachers never mention gluttony. I was at the I was at the Southern Baptist Convention years and years, probably been twenty years or so ago, and uh, I was at the convention and they got up to announce to us that our health care costs were going up by fifteen percent, and that was like fifteen percent. Oh no, our churches will go broke. 
So, so, and he said, and, and, and it was O.S. Hawkins. He got up there. He said, well, let me explain it to you, brothers and sisters. We are an overweight, unhealthy group of people. Like that. We were all just like, I think he just called us fat. <laughs> right? There are certain priorities that God has given us in his word that he expects us to live by so that when we walk into the place of worship, we don't walk in in a lie. That's what he's saying there. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifice as fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Don't be impulsive to make a speech. Don't be hasty to speak. God's in heaven. You're on earth. Let your words be few. So when I was looking at this, I was like, be really careful. First of all, Bobby, when you get up to preach Sunday, be really careful. Because, I mean, in this room right here, there's some people that have been hurt by the wickedness in the world. There's some young people that are being misled by this whole alphabet thing. There's some people, and there's some young people that are, that are being permanently damaged by what our medical community and our government's allowing today. I heard a young lady on a, something I was listening to while I was driving. She said, yes, she said, when I was an adolescent, she said, I was diagnosed as promiscuous puberty. And they put me on one of these blockers. And now I'll never have children. There's wickedness in the world around us, y'all. And we got to be careful of it. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. I didn't give it to you, Lillian. Sorry. Or did I? Oh, you have it. You are so on it, girl. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Be careful. Be careful. In this room right here, I can go ahead and 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 pretty much, you know, we all love Jesus. We all, I mean, if you've received the salvation God's offered you in the shed blood of Christ, then, then we, we bear that title Christian, which means little Jesuses. And we come together to worship so that we can honor God and honor the things that are important to God. Honor God's priorities. Which means we can't leave this room after honoring God and his priorities because he's in heaven. He's the one that's above it all. And then go out into the world and affirm the wickedness of this, this world. Be careful. Be careful when you go to the house of God. See? So where does this come from? comes from Solomon, acknowledged as the wisest man of his time, right? who observed wickedness in his own kingdom 
and fell into despair because of it. Folks, we can't wait to get to chapter 12. We can't wait to get to chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. But you notice what the last part of this one is. Solomon's already hinted at it. For many dreams bring futility, so do many words. Therefore, fear God. Right? See, maybe you're here this morning and, and maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe, you're not, you didn't, maybe you didn't walk in here going, I love Jesus. I'm a believer. I follow God. I love the word of God. I follow God's priority. Maybe you came in here this morning and that was not your statement. Great, you didn't offer a sacrifice of fools. But as Christians, we walked in here saying, yes, we follow Jesus. Which means we don't agree with the wickedness of the world. But this morning, if you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. We want to introduce you to Jesus. We want you to have the life and the joy and, and, and that, that sense of peace, encouragement, comfort that's only found in that relationship with him. We get to sing one more song this morning during this hour. We're going to sing all morning long, so you can hang around as long as you want to. But we're going to sing one more in this hour. And if you don't, if you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus, okay? Uh, if you know, I mean, you're sitting here right now, and you know there's compromise in your life, the Bible just calls it sin. You know what, you know what the definition of sin is, biblically speaking? Missing the mark. You know what the mark is? Perfection. And we all have missed the mark. That's why Jesus died, so that we could be forgiven. Maybe you want to be a part of what God's doing here at the gathering. You just got to know Jesus. You got to have that salvation. You got to be buried. You baptized where you go all the way under the water because that's the picture of dying and being buried and coming back up. Do those two things. You can come be a part of what, I mean, full member, whatever you want to call that. You can be a part of what God's doing here at the gathering. You can just hang out and worship with us. I love it. I just tell folks, if you're here, you gathered. Yay. Okay. But we gather for the purpose of exalting and honoring God. That's why we're here. Okay? So don't miss that. That's the priority. Pray with me, all righty? Father, thank you for today and all that you're going to do today, and thank you that your word is clear. There's no question what your word teaches about these things. So God, help us not to get confused. Help us not to get um, distracted. God, help us to stand with purpose for righteousness. Help us to stand with purpose for holiness. God, help us to be different from what is in the world. God, I thank you for every person in this room, and I thank you, God, that, that God, if, if by your Spirit we have been made uncomfortable this morning, I know I've been made uncomfortable. God, thank you for convicting me of my sin, of my compromise, of, of the selfishness, of, of pride, of anger, of all those things that don't represent you well. So God, as we come to this song, help us to renew our devotion, our surrender, our commitment to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.